you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we'll begin our reading at verse 14. And read tonight through verse 31. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but it but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's, it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from. But I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 1 through 13 of John 7, and we saw Jesus and the feast of the tabernacles. We also saw Jesus in an exchange with his brothers and, and how he told his brothers that the world hates him. And how the world did not hate them. And then we saw the reaction towards Jesus by the people. And so we continue on as Jesus is at the feast of 
of the tabernacles. As verse 14 tells us, he's at the middle of the feast and he began to teach. As we stated last week, we see again tonight, Jesus always causes a reaction. There is either the reaction of unbelief or the reaction of faith wherever Jesus is faithfully taught or proclaimed. Again, this evening we see a reaction to the Lord. And this reaction brings a question, could this be the Christ? Now we hear that question in in verse 26. However, as we will see when we get there in in just a little bit, with that question, there is sarcasm by those who asked it. They they were mocking the religious authorities and they knew better. They knew where Jesus was from. But what does the word Christ mean when we apply it to Jesus? Simply put, it is the title of Jesus as the Messiah. The, the, The title Christ means anointed, consecrated, sacred, and is only used for the Messiah who came in the fulfillment of prophecy. Now we who have saving, true saving faith in Jesus, we know tonight that Jesus is the Christ. However, at the time of his earthly ministry, there were many in Jerusalem that that could not and would not view Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah sent from God. But tonight we see that he is in our text and how Jesus tonight presents himself as the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And we see this in three ways. First, Jesus is the Christ for his doctrine is the doctrine of God. Again, in the middle of the feast, Jesus goes and he begins teaching there in the temple at Jerusalem. And we read in verse 15 that the Jews were amazed. They marveled saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Jesus had a knowledge that they had not come into contact with before. Jesus' knowledge of God was like any other teacher that they had ever heard. And there was a reason for that. Jesus is God. He is equal with the Father and the Spirit. And, And they felt like Jesus could not have this type of knowledge. For after all, he had never been trained. He had never been trained by the religious leaders of Jerusalem. So how could he have this knowledge? How could this man named Jesus teach such doctrines? And so Jesus answered them in verses 16 and 17. Verse 16, he says, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Jesus here in these verses, he unequivocally states that what he says is truth for God is truth. And he speaks about the things of God and and about the things of God for God sent him. 
But he also shows them something, their unwillingness to know the things of God. Now, if they knew their Old Testament like they thought they did, if they understood the Old Testament like they believed they did in their minds when Jesus came on the scene, it would not have been any problem for them to see him as the Christ, the Messiah, because he is clearly, he clearly meets all the requirements. If anyone desires to know the things of God, they would desire to do the will of God. And not only to do the will of God, but to know the will of God, says our Lord. John Calvin said this, Christ therefore replies that sound judgment flows from fear and reverence of God. So that if their minds be well disposed to the fear of God, they will easily perceive if what he preaches be true or not. And that was the problem, wasn't it? They did not have a fear of God, a reverence for God. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all true understanding in this world. And we are called to fear God and keep his commandments. For those who were listening to Jesus, they did not have that fear of God. And so in verse 18, Jesus gives evidence of his doctrine being from God himself. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. There are many accusations made against the Lord Jesus, but one that cannot be made is this, that he came seeking his own glory. Throughout his earthly life, he was deferring to the glory and to the will of the Father. And why is that? Well, Jesus was not some self-appointed prophet. At the age of, 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 of 30, and 31, 32, he did not say all of a sudden, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to teach about God. No, he, he didn't appoint himself. He was sent by the Father. And he constantly states that he is not declaring his own doctrine, but the doctrine of his Father. So Jesus sought the glory of the Father in all that he did and in all that he said. And because of that, Jesus was sent from God and there is no unrighteousness in him. And then there's a second way we see that Jesus is the Christ tonight, and it is this. Jesus is the Christ, for he reveals the heart of men. Verse 19, Jesus revealed what was in their hearts. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? Now, if you had asked them in that crowd that day if they kept the law, they all would have said, yes. We keep the law of Moses, especially as that law of Moses is, is given to us by our religious teachers. We, we keep what they say about the law. Therefore, we're righteous. Moses gave them the law, but they did not keep it. In one way, they were showing they did not keep the law. The fact that this very moment in, in the life of our Lord, they were trying to kill him, to murder him, to put him to death. Now, why were they trying to kill him? Now, some there in the crowd, they said, well, you have a demon. 
Who is seeking to kill you? There's no one seeking to kill you. But why? Why were they trying at this moment in time to kill the Lord? Well, they were trying to kill the Lord because of what he had done on a Sabbath. And so he shows all the people their own hypocrisy when it came to keeping the Sabbath. Verse 21, Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Now, Jesus is referring back to his healing the lame man on the Sabbath. And he shows them from the law of Moses that works of necessity and mercy are approved by God on the Sabbath. He gives them the the example of circumcision, that religious ordinance at that time for Israel, for the church. On the Sabbath, a man would be circumcised. Be welcomed into the covenant community, be, would be set apart as a part of that covenant community. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses would not be broken, how in the world could they be angry with Jesus when he healed a man on the Sabbath? William Hendrickson put it this way if the ceremonial cleansing of one member of the body, the procreative member, is permitted on the Sabbath, then would actual healing of the entire body be forbidden on the Sabbath, giving the people righteous cause for anger against the healer. The argument is, of course, unanswerable. The Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. And so Jesus turns the table on them. He says, if you allow circumcision on the Sabbath day, then then you should rejoice when I do that work of of mercy to a lame man and heal him on the Sabbath. And then he tells him in verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with a right judgment. Now this is not just a problem that these folk in Jerusalem had at that moment. It is our problem as well. How do we judge? We judge by what we see. We would judge people by how how they look. God judges the hearts. And here he is telling the people to judge according to the truth of God's word, not to their tradition. He tells them to to not judge by outward appearances, but with a righteous judgment. And if they do that, what would they see? They would see that Jesus is the Christ. If they judged him with a righteous judgment, they would see that he is the Messiah sent from God. And so that's the third thing that we see tonight. Jesus is the Christ, for he has been sent from God. In verses 25 through 27, we see the people now ridiculing and mocking their their leaders, but they're ultimately mocking Jesus himself. Is this the man that they are trying to kill? Then they go on in verse 26. And here he is 
speaking openly, and they say nothing to him, can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? There's ridicule in that question. They were saying that maybe the authorities believe in him, but in verse 27, but we know where he comes from. We know where this man comes from. He comes from Nazareth and nothing good comes from Nazareth. After all, when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. And we hear that, and that's the, there's the same mockery of Jesus today. The same mockery. We, we know where he came from. He, he could not be the Christ. Tonight, in, 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 you know, in the Super Bowl, there will be these commercials, supposedly evangelical commercials, but, but, but they're not at all. They, they're not really sharing the gospel. He's one of us. No, he's more than that. Yes, he's a man, but he's also God. Yes, he, he came and he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. But he's also God. He, he is one of us in the sense that he had to be one of us to redeem us. But he's far above us. Those commercials tonight, they will do nothing for the gospel. They will do nothing to bring men and women and children to faith in Jesus Christ. And what they are going to be saying is more of a social gospel. And that is the gospel that's in so many churches. That Jesus is our inspiration. And we should live like Him. But guess what? We can't. He's perfect. We're not. He's more than our inspiration. He is God who has come in the flesh. And He is the Christ. And yes, He came from Nazareth. But, but God ordained for that to happen. And He is the Christ. And so Jesus shows them their own lack of understanding. Verses 28 and 29. So Jesus proclaimed as He taught in the temple, You know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Again, Jesus tells him, I did not come on my own. I was sent. God sent the Son, his only begotten Son, to die on the cross for the sins of of his people. Jesus was sent by the Father, and the Father is true. But notice what he says in they do not know the Father. They do not know the Father because they did not trust and believe in Jesus. There are like so many tonight who say, I believe in God. I believe that, that God exists. I, I believe in, in God. I just don't believe in the God of the Bible. And I definitely don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. No, Jesus is the only way because he, had been, he has been sent by the Father. They did not know Jesus. They did not view Jesus as the Christ. And, and Jesus knows the Father for he was from the Father and the Father sent him. And he is equal with the Father. He's also equal with the Spirit. God the Father sent the Son. 
He is begotten of God the Father. He is equal with God the Father. And so as he says these things, again, what do we have? We have a reaction from the people. Again, whenever the gospel is proclaimed, there is a reaction from people. The first reaction was this. Some tried to seize him. They tried to arrest him, but to no avail. They were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now, why were they wanting to arrest Jesus? Well, they understood what he was saying, that he was claiming to be equal with the Father, and that, in their minds, was blasphemy. And the punishment of blasphemy was what? Death. And so they sought to arrest him, and they will later arrest Jesus, but now the time was not It was not yet the right time for Jesus to die at the Feast of the Tabernacles. It would come later. But then there was a second reaction. Many believed in Him. Now that is the good reaction. When someone hears the truth of God, they hear the gospel. And by the grace of God, they come to true saving faith in Jesus. And and notice what they say at the end of our text. When the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? When the Christ appears, he will not perform more signs than, than this man, will he? These people were recognizing that he is the Christ. For no man had done more than Jesus in his earthly life. No man had done more for the kingdom of God. No man had preached more for the kingdom of God than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many believed. Now what application can we make here tonight? Well, first of all, Jesus is the Christ. He came not seeking His own glory, but the glory of the Father. And if we have true faith in Jesus tonight, we know that His teachings are from God. This morning we spoke about neglecting the Word of God. As we saw Jeroboam neglecting the Word of God and creating a whole new religion with new gods and new idols to worship. But where do we find out about Jesus? In the Word of God. And when we question the Word of God, then we are showing not a heart of faith, but a heart of unbelief. And that is if we question the Word of God on anything. All the Bible is truth. It is our only rule of faith and practice. There is no other rule than the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Now the Jews, they thought they were righteous. Why? Because they kept the law of Moses. Because they they did what the Pharisees and the Sadducees told them. But their view of the law was wrong. And they ascribed their righteousness to the adherence of the law and not to the grace of God. That's why they had such a hard time with Jesus. He saw through their works righteousness. Second, Jesus is the Christ because He reveals the innermost thoughts and desires of the heart. Jesus knows our hearts. 
He knows our heart better than we know it ourselves. He knows tonight whether or not we believe in Him, whether or not we truly have trusted in Him, or whether or not we hate Him and believe that He is not the Christ. And how can He do that? Because Jesus judges not as men judge by outward appearance, but He judges the heart. Now tonight, we are called to judge with righteous judgment. Some people hate to hear that in the church. Don't judge me, I'm a Christian. Have you ever heard that? I have. Who are you to judge? You're just as sinful as I am. True, I am. But we are called to judge with a righteous judgment. But we, most of the time, we fail in this in two ways. First of all, we, we form too good an opinion of someone. And we are easily deceived by an air of piety. We look at the outward appearance. We see everything that they may be doing or not doing. Oh, they must be a Christian. Because they're doing all these good things. And we form a high opinion of them. And then we see them doing something wrong. And, and, and that high opinion comes crashing to the ground. The second way that we we fail in judging with righteous judgment is this way. We are too critical and harsh in our judgment. And so to have a righteous judgment, it falls somewhere in between, doesn't it? Arthur Pink said this concerning having a, a critical or harsh judgment. We must not make a man an offender for a word, for in many things we all offend. And he's right. And so we are to judge with a righteous judgment. Not on outward appearance. Not how a person looks. We're to judge with the judgment of Christ. Third, Jesus is the Christ. For He is from God. And so the question for us is this. Do you believe this tonight? We see it here this evening in our text. And do you believe this or, or do you mock Jesus? There is much mockery of the Lord in the world and in the church. They want Jesus, but they don't want him as he is presented in the Gospels. They, they want a Jesus of their own making, their own imagination. What do they do? They create an idol of what Jesus is, but it's not reality. You know, they may want Jesus to heal their physical malady, but they don't want Jesus to revive their soul. They, they may pray to Jesus when things are going really bad, but then when things get good, they forget about Him. They may want to be a part of His bride, the church, while things are going good, but then someone makes them mad and they depart and they never return to the church again. We cannot have Jesus on our terms. That's what the Jews were trying to do. They were trying to have a Messiah on their terms. And because of that, they failed to see the Messiah that God sent. And so as you hear these things tonight, do not mock. Come and believe. Be like those in the crowd who heard these things and they began asking, when the Christ appears, will they do more than this man has done? 
They were beginning to see the truth and believed in the Lord. And so do you believe in Christ tonight? Have you come to Him in faith as you turn from your sin to trust solely in Him? If not, then see Jesus as the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Anointed One of God. He is the only way to the Father. And turn from your sins and embrace Him in faith. You know, every man, woman, and child is called to do that. Even those that will never come to faith in Christ, they will have no excuse. Especially if they had heard the Gospel. Because they refuse to come and embrace Christ in faith. Do not be like that this evening. Come to Christ. Believe in Him. Turn from your sin. Just do not ask the question, could this be the Christ? But know tonight with all certainty by the grace and mercy of God that Jesus is the Christ. The Messiah. The anointed one of God sent by the Father for the salvation of all who will come to Him in faith. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word and how it clearly presents to us what You always intended. That Jesus, Your only begotten Son, is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, whom You sent just at the right time. And, oh God, I pray for any who may be here tonight that they do not understand these things, that you would open their, their hearts and their minds now by your Holy Spirit and take off the scales from their eyes, unstop their ears, and, Father, bring them to life in Jesus. And, oh Lord, may we never be ashamed to claim Christ as our Lord and Savior, and to speak of Him to all that we come into contact with, and not only ask the question, could this be the Christ, but make that proclamation, Jesus is the Christ. The only way to the Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.